Jessa Duggar Seawald suffered a miscarriage recently, and yet she's being accused by online trolls, aka journalists, of being a hypocrite because of her pro-life views. We'll break all of that down and respond. Paris Hilton confesses she hired a surrogate to birth her child in part because of a previous abortion. And Woody Harrelson says what we're not supposed to say out loud about the COVID vaccine in his SNL monologue. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone has had a wonderful week so far. Okay, if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode about the Gospel Coalition public school versus Christian education debate, go do that. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from y'all that those of you who have chosen um, uh, Christian education in some way, whether that be homeschool, hybrid, or private school, that you are really encouraged by yesterday's episode a couple messages from those of you who have chosen public school very respectful kind messages the only ones that i got that were pushing back in a way that was bothersome were people who decided to respond to my post pointing to the podcast about the subject without actually listening to or watching the episode And so they don't realize what I threatened with yesterday in my preamble, that I will call your mother and I will tell her that she responded to something without actually listening and that she raised you better than that. And you will go in, I don't know, that you'll go in the chokey like in Matilda. If you do that again, I will be, I was kind in my response to you guys who did that, but please don't do that again. Just listen to it, watch it, and then if you still want to come back with your disagreements, that you can. But I do appreciate all of the support, encouragement, and then also the respectful disagreement that you guys sent me. So go listen to that episode, or you can watch it on YouTube as well. All right. Today, I want to start talking about this Jessa Duggar Seawald story. A lot of you sent me her video announcing that she had recently had a miscarriage, and then the aftermath of that, which is all of these influencers... All these people on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, talking about what a hypocrite, apparently, Jessa Seawald is because she's pro-life and yet in a conservative state that has heavily restricted abortion after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, she got a procedure called a DNC. These people are saying, oh, a DNC is an abortion. She's wealthy. She's privileged. She has access. And so she was able to get this procedure that is otherwise banned for women in the state of Arkansas. As we will talk about today, that is simply not true. That is a lie. People are exploiting her pain, her tragedy, her vulnerability to try to push a political agenda that is centered on the glorification of death. And I'm not sure there is anything really more wicked than that. So let's get into the story. On February 24th, Jessa announced in a YouTube video on her YouTube channel that she had suffered a miscarriage several weeks ago. I didn't originally see this video. I didn't hear about this until the backlash started. So let me play you a little bit of the story that she shared on YouTube. When we were there at the hospital and I knew that... I was about to have this DNC, it was about to happen, and um, I had gone, I'd been prepped for everything, and, but right as they were wheeling me back, I just wanted to ask, like, please, can I please have one more ultrasound? Like, just please, somebody check, make sure. I was, like, having all these fears that maybe they got something wrong, and, like, you know it's irrational, but you just feel like, you just feel scared. Probably the most devastating moment was waking up after the procedure was over and just having this hollow feeling inside because you know that you know the life that was in you is no longer there oh oh i'm tearing up trying to hold it together so i can keep talking but i just feel i feel so much for her she was 11 weeks along at this point any of you who've been pregnant you know that's almost the end of the first trimester and so you've already gotten at least one ultrasound at that point. You've seen that little life. You've seen and maybe even heard the heartbeat. Obviously, you had gotten a positive pregnancy test, which is such an exciting time. And so at this point, she had probably 
known that she was pregnant since, you know, she was four weeks along. So this is several weeks of being excited and being and, and planning with her husband and maybe even sharing with her other children and her siblings and the close friends in her life. And then she finds when she's almost done with her first trimester um, that she had actually lost the baby. And so uh, this is a summary of what happened, of the video of the of the story that she shared on YouTube from Fox News and Daily Mail. So she experienced a brief period of spotting when she was 11 weeks along. So she and her husband, Ben, went for an ultrasound right before Christmas. And the technician that was performing the sonogram said, well, the sack looks good, but the baby does not. Honestly, she said nothing could have prepared me for the weight of those words in that moment. And gosh, I, I can imagine as a, as a mother of two, who has, I have not gone through a miscarriage, but who has gone through pregnancies. I mean, there's a little bit of nerves in every sonogram that you have, no matter how far along you are, because it can be difficult not seeing the child, especially, you know, early on, you can't feel the child and you're just hoping and praying that everything is okay. And when something starts going a a little bit awry in your own body, the first thought is, oh my gosh, is this child that we have created okay? It says after she lost the baby, she had to go to the hospital for a surgical procedure uh, where the doctor removes an already deceased baby uh, from a womb. And she said the most devastating part was waking up after the procedure and having that hollow feeling inside. You heard her say that they had told their four children, a few others about the pregnancy. And so everyone, not just her, is still processing this miscarriage. Um, And now abortion activists are claiming that she had an abortion and is lying about it, that she's not being totally honest about everything that happened. But I talked to Jessa yesterday, as you can imagine, she's going through a lot. She shared something that was extremely traumatic, extremely tragic for her and her family. She shared it with the hope that she would help other women who have gone through a miscarriage or are going through a miscarriage. I mean, you share something that is so vulnerable, knowing that it's possible for someone to use it against you and hurt you. That's what vulnerability means. But hoping that there is more help um, directed towards people who need it than harm directed towards you. And at first, it was a positive reaction. There were a lot of people giving her support and encouragement. And then it was like overnight, a couple of days after the video came out, I mean, the, the knives were turned towards her, calling her a hypocrite, calling her a liar, claimed that she actually had an abortion that is banned by the very laws that she as a pro-life person would support, in particular in the state of Arkansas. So let me give you some examples of what's being said about her. This is from the online magazine Jezebel. They consider themselves, uh, of course, a, a, a feminist outlet. And this is an article written by Caitlin Cruz. And the title is Jessa Duggar Seawald had an abortion, even if she won't say the word. I mean, just the evil of this is just it gives me a pit in my stomach. People magazine and other outlets accepted Duggar's framing of the experience as a quote unquote miscarriage, which would be fine, except that an anti-abortion celebrity literally having an abortion is probably something that's worth discussing. Honestly, it's commendable that Duggar Seawald is sharing her experience for procedural abortion. Duggar Seawald's story is proof that abortion treatment is needed and wanted by even the most anti-abortion among us. And abortion is how a miscarriage is treated to make sure a patient's uterus is completely evacuated. That way, no further complications like sepsis ensue. This is a complete and total lie. A DNC in itself is not an abortion. Some people have an abortion. Some women have abortions and then have to get a DNC. Some women have miscarriages and then have a DNC. A DNC doesn't actually kill the child. A DNC removes the child from the womb. And by the way, people have DNCs for all kinds of reasons. They don't just have a DNC because they're pregnant. They might have a DNC to remove something from uh, their uterus. And so a DNC in itself, no, is not an abortion. Now, it is true that medical coding says induced abortion which is you purposely kill the child inside the womb, which is what all anti-abortion pro-life activists are against. And then there is a spontaneous abortion. And yes, I hate that language. That is what the medical coding says. A spontaneous abortion is where the child dies naturally. 
No anti-abortion pro-life advocate is morally against that. We're sad about that, of course. We're, we recognize that that's a, a tragedy, but that is the same difference as it is between someone being murdered outside of the womb and someone dying naturally outside of the womb. Like, do we have to explain this any more slowly or any more clearly? Like, even if you want to say, okay, this was a spontaneous abortion and then she got a, C, a DNC for the spontaneous abortion, she did not do anything that any pro-life advocate has ever said that we are against. Her child's heart stopped beating, the doctor told her, three weeks before she got the DNC. She did not have an abortion. She did nothing to purposely kill this child. That is the kind of abortion that pro-lifers and anti-abortion advocates are against. Duh, obviously. Like, I, I know that y'all, I mean, I'm actually giving you the benefit of the doubt. People who are writing articles like this, that you're just plain dumb. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there. And I, because you are apparently able to read and you're apparently able to write words and complete a full sentence, I am going to guess that you are just playing like you're ignorant and you actually know the difference between homicide and natural death. That's the difference between a miscarriage and an induced abortion, an induced abortion and a so-called spontaneous abortion. Taking care of a miscarriage, taking care of what the medical coding calls a spontaneous abortion is not banned in any state that has passed these pro-life laws since the Dobbs decision or the overturning of Roe v. Wade, as I will get into specifically in just one second. People magazine. Jessa Duggar says she had a DNC. How does that differ from other abortion procedures? This article details different types of abortion, citing that DNC as an abortion that occurs in the first trimester, but conveniently makes no mention in this article that her baby had already passed away. I know I'm really intense about this, and there are some people who are going to be like, you should be nicer. You should be nicer to the people who are advocating for the legal dismemberment of babies and who are exploiting someone's tragedy in order to push an agenda that legalizes and glorifies the dismemberment of babies. And like those of you out there, like you would criticize someone having a mean tone towards Satan. OK, I'm not interested in that tone policing. I'm not. We're allowed to be righteously angry about this. Like, we're allowed to feel defensive about this. This is as dark and depraved as it gets. All right? The Arkansas Times, health care for me, but not for thee. A Duggar had an abortion. Sick. Current Arkansas law allows abortions for dead fetuses, but not for living ones. I cannot. I cannot. Really? While Seawald was able to access this care, other Arkansas, Ar uh, Arkansas women uh, without similar connections and clout might not. A lie. A lie. Uh, this is from Just Jared, whatever that is. Notoriously pro-life Duggar family member Jessa Duggar revealed she had miscarriage in life-saving abortion procedure in new video internet response. The dilation and curatage procedure is a minor surgical procedure done to remove tissue from a person's uterus. Person. Used in abortion care and done for those who suffered a miscarriage or with unexplained bleeding in between menstrual periods at least they admit in this article that the baby is already gone so here's some tweets out there from the tennessee hauler a left-wing rag in case you missed it jessa jessa duggar of the famously anti-abortion duggar family had an abortion due to risks of complications which is now illegal in tennessee thanks to folks like her that is a lie she did not have an abortion she did not have an abortion you guys know the difference between an abortion and a miscarriage abigail disney <laughs> The Disney heir, she didn't have a miscarriage. She had a DNC, which is also called an abortion and would be illegal in many states under laws she herself supports. FFS, at least just tell the truth. Contemptible cowardice. You're lying. It's not true. She did have a miscarriage. Were, were you the technician, Abigail Disney? Were you there performing this onogram? Were you the doctor that told her, hey, your baby's heart, it looks like the baby stopped growing three weeks ago. We have to perform a DNC to get the child who died naturally out of your uterus. Were you there? And then you've got other left-wing accounts talking about the same thing. People on Reddit disgustingly 
pushing this kind of light. Let's look. She lives in the state of Arkansas. And by the way, like I said, I talked to her yesterday and I asked, like, is it okay for me to talk about this stuff? I don't want it to seem I don't want it to seem like I'm making this worse as you are going through uh, this pain. So I didn't want you to think that I am, you know, making I didn't want you guys to think that I am making this worse without having talked about, you know, how she is dealing with all of this. I think it's so important that we are clear on this and that we are calling out their lies. So this is the Arkansas abortion law in the state where she lives. On June 24th, 2022, Arkansas began enforcing its trigger ban prohibiting abortions at all stages of pregnancy following the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Here is part of the law. Section 1, Arkansas Code, Title 5, Chapter 61, Subchapter 4. Abortion means the act of using, prescribing, administering, procuring, or selling of any instrument, medicine, drug, or any other substance, device, or means with the purpose to terminate the pregnancy of a woman with knowledge that the termination by any of those means will with reasonable likelihood cause the death of the unborn child. An act under subdivision 1A of the section is not an abortion if the act is performed with the purpose to... One, save the life or preserve the health of the unborn child. Two, remove a dead unborn child caused by spontaneous abortion, a.k.a. miscarriage, or remove an ectopic pregnancy. There is also a document that was uh, published by an attorney and by a doctor um, on lifenews.com that explains the summary of the different abortion bans that have been passed in 23 states. The article starts like this, again, by an MD and a lawyer studied these laws, studied the medical implications of these laws. It said, in the 23 states with one or more strong abortion bans that were unenforceable before the DOPS decision, state officials are now either enforcing or working towards beginning enforcement. Each of these states permits abortion in those rare and heartbreaking circumstances when it is necessary to save the life of a pregnant woman. Now, we can talk about, you know, that some people even have an issue with that kind of language. Uh, Physicians can make this determination based on their quote-unquote reasonable medical judgment, a standard very common in the medical profession and used for any case involving malpractice litigation. Now, that's not what happened in this case with Jessa. I mean, she did not get an abortion to save her life. She got a DNC, which is not in itself an abortion to remove the child that had already naturally died. But because this is another talking point that is being pushed by these pro-abortion, pro-death activists, I think it's important to just specify that in all of these conservative states, there is an exception. Let's look specifically again at the state of Arkansas and just see what this article says. We'll link this article, by the way, in the description on the YouTube video and in the description if you're listening. So you can click on it and you can share it yourself. So this is the summary, according to the article of the Arkansas law where Jessa lives. Arkansas bans abortion unless it is necessary to save a mother's life. It does not prohibit contraception. The law excludes from the definition of abortion acts to preserve the life or the health of the unborn baby, to remove an unborn baby who is miscarried, or to treat an ectopic pregnancy. Women upon whom abortions are performed may not be prosecuted. So here are some quotes. Um, A person shall not purposely perform or attempt to perform an abortion except to save the life of a pregnant woman in a medical emergency. Medical emergency means a condition in which an abortion is necessary to preserve the life of a pregnant woman whose life is endangered by a physical disorder, physical illness, or physical injury, including a life-endangering physical condition caused by or arising from the pregnancy itself. The law does not prohibit the sale, use, prescription, or administration of a contraceptive measure, drug, or chemical if the contraceptive measure, drug, or chemical chemicals administered before the time when a pregnancy could be determined through conventional medical testing and if the contraceptive measure drug or chemical is sold used prescribed or administered in accordance with manufacturer instructions so again and i guess i don't have to read this because i don't want to be too repetitive but it defines specifically what an abortion is an abortion is a procedure or a drug given to purposely terminate the life of the baby inside the womb so here's one thing that you will never see from these people who are launching these kinds of accusations. They will never show you the line in the law that restricts or bans miscarriage care. 
that's what you should do. You know, we talk about a lot, these tactics of persuasion and how you engage with these kinds of people. And you don't need to engage with bad faith people, people who are lying, but people who want to have a legitimate discussion about this. Instead of just responding to them, you can, you can send them the link or you ask them a question. You put it on them. You put the monkey on their back and you say, oh, okay, you think Justice Seawald is a hypocrite because of this. Can you show me the specific line in the Arkansas legislation, uh, the abortion ban that was passed that restricts miscarriage care? Oh, okay. Can, can, Can you send that to me? They never do. They won't be able to. What they'll do is they'll send you an article saying, well, this woman almost died because of this abortion restriction or this woman didn't get the care that she needed because of this abortion restriction. Very many times, like Tennessee, Texas, I've seen a lot of articles saying this. Um, There's not a whole lot of... facts about that like it's really hard to actually determine okay what prohibited this woman or inhibited this woman and getting the care that she needed when it came to managing her miscarriage like there's no evidence that it had anything to do with the laws at all like maybe she just had incompetent doctors but really again if you go and you look at all of the laws and you see that it excludes treatment for miscarriages what people want to call spontaneous abortions you see that if anything the doctors at best are confused and at worst are, are malicious for political and activist reasons. And this article that I'm reading from on lifenews.com by this lawyer and by this doctor, um, they say that, look, we need hospital boards. We need state boards of pharmacy, hospital quality committees and hospital attorneys to provide more detailed guidance to doctors on how to reach a determination that abortion is necessary based on the laws on the books. Look, let's not act like all of these doctors and all of these hospitals really are just so befuddled and so held back by these new pro-life laws. There's always been some kind of restriction on these procedures. There's always been some kind of uh, restriction in these states on when you can perform an abortion and how you can perform an abortion. And apparently the doctors in the hospitals were able to comprehend it before then. But now you're telling me that they're like, I don't know. I have no idea how to abide by the law anymore. Who knows? But even if that's the case, that's not the law's fault. These hospitals seem to be very slow in giving this guidance. And I just have to think that it's for political reasons, that they almost want this chaos. They almost want the propaganda. They almost want the lies. They want the anger. They want the other side to believe that women aren't being treated for miscarriages because they believe that it helps change the law to be more pro-abortion, which is evil. I mean, that's what it seems like. Like, why would that not be your first priority if you cared about the well-being of your female patients, your pregnant patients to say, "Okay, the law has changed. Let's update our policies and make it really crystal clear for our doctors what can actually be performed and when. And just let everyone know, hey, miscarriage care, saving the life of the mother has not been touched by these laws. So please go for it. I mean, why wouldn't that be happening? If not for malicious and political and confusion-based, chaos-based, wickedness-based reasons here. I mean, it really is. It really is troubling. So, no, Justice Seawald did not have an abortion. She did not break the law in Arkansas. She is not a hypocrite. She did not do anything or receive anything that every other woman in the state of Arkansas who has access to any kind of health care or can walk into an emergency room cannot have. And the fact that you guys are lying in order to, again, push an agenda of death just shows who you are exploiting her tragedy, exploiting her pain, exploiting the death of her child who had who was made in the image of God shows not her hypocrisy but your wickedness. I'm just reminded as when I was reading these tweets and reading the story and it just made me so sad for Jessa and what she must be going through to have the pain of losing your child compounded with this and feeling like you have to explain yourself. I was thinking of this verse, John eight forty four, when Jesus is chastising the Pharisees. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And people who follow the father of lies are going to be pro-deceit and pro-murder. Period. It's just how it goes. 
And I don't expect people who follow the father of lies to be able to hear me and to see any clarity whatsoever, save the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that happens. I pray that there is repentance there. But that's, that's where we are. The father of lies who has been a murderer since the beginning has authored the chaos and the confusion and the lies surrounding not just this story, but abortion in general. Jessa did respond and she said something that I thought was really good and very true. Um, she commented this on her YouTube video after she started getting some backlash. She said, women have DNCs for many reasons, not all of which involve killing a living human being. The ultrasound revealed that I had missed, a, that I had a missed miscarriage. My baby's heart had stopped beating three weeks before I had a DNC. BTW, this was not my first DNC. It was my second. My first was two weeks postpartum, Ivy's birth for retained placenta. So again, just a, an example. This is, there are many reasons why someone gets a DNC. A DNC is not in itself an abortion. It is to remove something from your uterus or sometimes someone, sometimes after an induced abortion, sometimes after a miscarriage, sometimes when there's something in there that needs to be removed. Each person is created in the image of God, Genesis 1:27, and to purposely destroy a baby in the womb is an affront to the God who created life. She's absolutely right. There's a world of difference between someone dying and someone being killed to equate one to the other and to a mother grieving the loss of her baby, no less is severely distasteful. She's, she's a kind kind person for putting it that way there is a world of difference between a, being a mortician and a murder absolutely true that's a really good way to put it even a child understands the difference between the two of course of course i mean these people pushing these lies i mean it's romans one made manifest so i just encourage you let's like share some arrows right now we got my little sticker on here let's share some arrows i i, sh I mean she has a lot of followers and so she might not see all of your messages, but I just really encourage you to message her on Instagram, love and encouragement and support. I, I just ask you to pray for her and pray for her family, pray for her kids, pray for her husband as they're going through this right now. I just pray that she would be strengthened and pray that she would be solidified in the goodness of the Lord, that he knows what is true. The people who love her know what is true. And let us also pray for her and our, in the spiritual sense, enemies. Because obviously, like, there are heart issues there. There are salvation issues there. Like, there's soul level issues there to push this kind of lie in the midst of someone's tragedy. And so let's pray for her. Maybe send her your prayer and what you're praying for her today it doesn't have to be lengthy. And even if she never sees it, like, the prayer of the righteous person has great power. And so let's share some arrows. Let's, if you can, and if you want to, you don't have to do this. It kind of just depends on your platform and how you use social media. Push back against the lies, like correct the deceit that you see. Cause I guarantee you, you'll probably also have some professing Christian friends who are sharing this kind of thing. I know it's wild, but you might, you need to correct them. You need to text them. You need to call them. You need to send them a message. You need to confront your family members that you see sharing this kind of stuff because it's not just a matter of Jess's story. I mean, we're talking about the lives of many, many people, the lives of unborn voiceless children too. And also like we are talking about people, we are talking about women who might in the future have a miscarriage and be scared to go to the doctor because of that. They might be scared to get miscarriage care. They might think that they have to go from their conservative state to a liberal state from Oklahoma to New Mexico in order to get miscarriage care. And that's just not true. Like you are actually putting women's lives in jeopardy by pushing this lie that you can't get miscarriage care. But so are doctors and all the hospitals that are refusing to add clarity to this. Obviously, in the state of Arkansas, the doctors there, at least the one that Jessica saw, like they're smart enough to realize, oh, yeah, this is not the same thing as an abortion. We're good. But apparently, for malicious or just ignorant reasons, some aren't. So let's make sure that we're speaking the truth when it comes to this. I mean, when it comes to all things, but certainly when it comes to this, lives depend on it. So let's pray for her. Let's encourage her. And let's pursue that which is good and right and true and pray for those who apparently don't know what is good and right and true. All right, we'll get into the next story in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. That is Cozy Earth. I absolutely love Cozy Earth because I love their loungewear. I love their pajamas and I love their sheets. It's so 
soft, so luxurious feeling, and temperature regulating, whether it's their clothes or their sheets. It's made out of viscous, which is very cooling and very soft. I love when I have my, I only have, I think, one set of cozy earth sheets, so I can't have them on all the time. But when I do, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. These are my cozy earth sheets. They're so much more comfortable than the other standard sheets that I have. And this is also a great gift. If you're looking for a gift for someone, get them a loungewear set from Cozy Earth. I love me some loungewear. I might start wearing loungewear on the set from Cozy Earth because I just love it so much and love their sheets. By the way, sheets like luxurious sheets might be one of the best gifts that you can give someone for their wedding. Also a set of towels. All great. Uh, Save 35% on Cozy Earth bedding right now by going to Cozy Earth earth.com slash Allie, C-O-Z-Y, earth.com slash Allie. Enter my promo code Allie. Save 35%. That's a great deal. CozyEarth.com slash Allie. CozyEarth.com slash Allie. All right. We won't spend too much time on the next two stories. These are kind of like pop culture type stories, but they definitely have a moral aspect, a worldview aspect to to it. So speaking of unborn life, speaking of the right of unborn children, I wanted to highlight the story about Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton recently welcomed a child into her home via surrogacy. I've done several episodes on surrogacy, um, most of them with Jennifer Lal, who is a bioethics expert, especially when it comes to um, surrogacy. She's also talked a lot about the dangers of uh, transgender uh, transgender so-called treatment. Um and so we, she talks a lot just about how the medical industry and how the medical world really has exchanged the truth for a lie and has started to um, objectify women's bodies for the sake of so-called medical advancement. We talked about that two weeks ago with Libby Emmons, this terrifying suggestion that maybe we can use brain dead women as surrogates for women who want children or not just women who want children, gay men who want children, anyone who wants a child can apparently rent the womb of a brain dead woman who, by definition, is unable to give consent. And by the way, even with consent, I think that surrogacy is immoral. Commercial surrogacy is unethical and is corrupt. Again, go back and listen to some of those episodes that we can link in the description to get my full take on that. But let me tell you a little bit more about this Paris Hilton story because it's about more than just surrogacy. So this is um, this is summarized from Glamour and Fox News. Paris Hilton revealed in a February 23rd cover story for Glamour that she is keen to speak out about the repeal of the Supreme Court of Roe v. Wade, especially since she had an abortion in her early 20s. This was also something that I didn't want to talk about because there was so much shame around that. She said, I was a kid. I was not ready for that. 20s, in your early 20s and you're a kid. Oh, gosh, the prolonged adolescence and juvenility that we have allowed and celebrated in our society that makes someone who is in her early 20s, who had all the resources in the world, by the way, to take care of a child, or if she wanted to, to put the child up for adoption. I mean, that's really sad. That just kind of shows where our culture has gone, that in early 20s, a 20-something would think that they are a child. You're not a child. You're not a child. You're an adult. She said there's just so much politics around it and all that, but it's a woman's body. Why should there be a law based on that? It's your body, your choice, and I really believe that. This is actually like a perfect description of just how far most abortion advocates have thought about abortion, the ethics of abortion. Oh, there's so much politics. It's a woman's body. Why should there be a law? Like, I just wonder if she thought about that anymore, anymore. If she would see how, oh, at, at least at some point, at some point, there is a, a, a competition there between a woman's right to do whatever she wants with what is inside her body and the human being's right to live. Obviously, I believe that that human being has a right to live from the point that that is a human being, which is conception. But if you just think about it a little bit, even an abortion advocate can maybe say, OK, maybe at some point. Maybe at some point, like when that baby feels pain, when that baby is kicking and moving around to the point that the mother can actually feel the baby. But according to this logic, she believes that through all 40 plus weeks of pregnancy, 
that this baby has no right to life and that the mother can actually just have the baby murdered and that it's her body in the name of rights, in the name of bodily autonomy. There should be no law whatsoever restricting that. That's what a lot of these abortion advocates actually think, because they really have not thought about it, including people in Congress, by the way. This is about as sophisticated an argument as it gets. It's mind boggling to me that they're making laws about what you do with your reproductive health. Look, you've already reproduced if you're getting an abortion. No one's stopping you from reproducing. It has nothing to do with reproductive health. We just don't believe that you should be able to kill a child just because it's defenseless, just because it's small, just because it's located inside your womb, just because it's not fully developed yet. Why are those good reasons, valid reasons, objective reasons to justify killing a human being? She said, because if it were the other way around with the guys, it would not be this way at all. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to be rude about what she's saying. If it were the other way around with the guys, it would not be this way at all. What does that mean? If a guy, if he needed an abortion, he'd be able to get an abortion? Okay. Most pro-life activists and advocates, by the way, are women. So there's that. Um, and so she had a, she had a surrogate for, um, for her child's in January 2023. Uh, this is from Glamour People and Entertainment Weekly. Paris turned to her childhood friend Kim Kardashian for advice. Kim Kardashian used a surrogate for at least two of her children. Might be three, but at least two. For advice on having kids and had one round of IVF and her eggs frozen in her late 30s because she was planning to have a baby on her own. But when she started dating Carter, her husband now, um... She, when she started dating Carter, they realized just as COVID-19 hit that it would be more prudent to freeze her embryos. They had frozen 20 embryos during lockdown and we've done it, frozen embryos seven times. I have all boys. I have 20 boys. So she's acknowledging, she's acknowledging a lot of things that these are humans. She's calling them boys and that they also have a gender already at the point of conception. They're embryos. We already know what their gender is because that happens at the moment of conception. Those are your, that's your DNA. So she has souls on ice, 20 of them. And she's talking about this flippantly. Obviously, she's not going to implant all of these and surrogates. So obviously, I mean, maybe some will be adopted. Probably not. Most of them will probably die. Most of them will probably be aborted. That's also, I mean, an ethical question to think through with IVF, as I've talked about several times. But instead of having another one of those boys, they would really like a girl. So like you see the eugenics that's inherent in these, in, in this, um, I'm not saying that eugenics is a part of all forms of IVF, although I do have ethical qualms with IVF in general, but you see how IVF can be used towards eugenics. Like if this person had had 20 girls and was like, I really want a boy, hate girls. I, I don't, I don't want to have a girl like you see how this is an issue. It's not really all that different from when China implemented its policies, and said, yeah, you can only have this many children and you're going to abort your your second and, and third child. And I mean, in India, where there was a genocide against the girls because they just wanted to have boys. It's like we look at those kind of countries and we're like, wow, that's so brutal. That's so terrible. This is happening every day in the United States. We just think it's more sophisticated and ethical because we call it IVF. Um, I just went through the process again a month ago, so I'm waiting for the results to see if there's any girls. And by the way, I'm not saying that this is typical of all of you out there who had IVF. I'm just showing you that some of the problems that happen that can happen in this process. When asked if she used a surrogate because of her age, 42, wow, I didn't realize she was that old. Uh, she said that she would still use a surrogate if she was 20 years old. And the part of this, the part of this is that she... Um, that the one of the reasons why she had a surrogate is because she's so scared of childbirth. Childbirth and death are two things that scare me more than anything in the world. And she talks about how part of that is because she, um, she had an abortion and the abortion scared her so much and the abortion traumatized her. And in a way, um, I'm kind of summarizing what she said, that that is part of why she feared childbirth. Don't you see like the effects of abortion long term that can end up in this kind of long term fear that can end up with another unethical choice, which is surrogacy and 
the reason why commercial surrogacy is so exploitative and is so unethical to me is because you are buying someone's body. You're buying someone's body because you're fearful or for whatever reason it is, you are renting their womb. Surrogacy pregnancies are often very dangerous, both for the baby and for the mother. I mean, this is a foreign child that was not created in this mother's body, carried by this uterus. And so you're putting risk on them. And again, I don't really care if there's consent there. Consent-based morality is very, very flimsy. Like someone cannot consensually sell themselves into slavery and indentured servitude. There's a reason why those things are also banned in the United States. Prostitution. There are legal restrictions around prostitution, even if there is consent around it, because we realize that the lines between prostitution and sex trafficking are very blurry. The lines between commercial surrogacy and human trafficking, very blurry. Someone who is desperate for money, who is willing to rent out her womb for someone else. I mean, can you even say that that is fully consent? I certainly don't think that it's moral. In addition to all of the dangers and everything. And then plus, I mean, you are purposely, intentionally removing the bond that is created between the mother and child and pregnancy, giving it to someone else, then tearing that child away from the woman that he or she has created a bond with for nine months. There are all kinds of problems with it. I do distinguish between commercial surrogacy and the surrogacy that happens between family members. I think there are still ethical questions about that, but certainly commercial surrogacy is completely corrupt. I think it's absolutely an abomination. And the fact that rich men and women feel like they have a right to rent another woman's womb because they are scared of childbirth in order to give themselves a child. A child, by the way, is not a right Um, I think it shows how we see children. We see children as accessories in this country. We see children as something that we are owed. We see children as something that uh, that we deserve and through any means possible. We think that we can get them without ever thinking about their rights or we can discard them. We can discard them when they're embryos. We can discard them when they're a fetus inside the womb. I think this is the exact opposite of the biblical call to protect children and to see them as a vulnerable class and to be a refuge for them. I think that's why Jesus paid such special attention to children and said that we should have faith like a child. I think that's why Psalm 139 goes through the intricate, uh, the intricate makings of children inside the womb. God cares about these human beings from conception onward, and we should too. Um, okay. Uh, well, let me just read you. There were a couple lines before we quickly end with the with the next segment. There were a couple lines from Jennifer Law's recent article that she wrote in the First Things magazine. And who owns the body is the title of the article. February 28th today is when it came out. And I actually just love the title. Who owns the body. And she's actually talking about this suggestion that we should use brain dead women, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, to be surrogates for people who want babies. And she asks some questions. She says, would it be ethical to create human beings with the intention of subjecting them to such an experimental process? Because it is an experimental process. Actually, all of surrogacy, implanting someone else's embryo inside you is an experimental process. Like your child, without any consent, by the way, is becoming an experimental a a scientific experiment and even a social experiment in a lot of ways, especially when you're talking about buying the eggs, like when two gay men buy an egg, uh, buy eggs from a woman, implant them in another woman to have that child. I mean, you're talking about so many psychological and physical consequences there that again, are just like totally disregarded because this couple says, Oh, I have a right to have a child no matter, no matter what. And then she says this, at the end, which I think is, I think it's really good as she is asking this question of, is it who, who really owns the body? She says, we don't own the body, but we do owe the human body, the embodied person, brain dead or not, and the child in her womb, we owe them both respect and dignity. And while she doesn't say this here, we know from a Christian perspective that God owns the body. God owns the body. 
Yes, bodily autonomy can be a value. Of course, like we don't believe that the government should be able to force a vaccine into someone's body or the government shouldn't be able to enslave someone's body. And so, of course, to a degree, bodily autonomy is a good value to have. But autonomy cannot be our highest value. Just like authenticity has be has to be subjected to the word of God. That means my autonomy does not trump the right of another person to live including the baby that God has created inside the mother's womb. So this is what happens. Once again, another consequence. Every day we talk about this of replacing the God of scripture with the God of self. The God of self is cruel. It's so cruel. All it cares about is serving itself. And so it will literally lay anything, including babies, including and especially children on its altar. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the medical industry just quickly with this last crazy segment about Woody Harrelson. Let me tell you about our next sponsor. That is Good Ranchers. All right. They've got March Meatness coming up. But this is the last day of February. March Meatness is coming up with Good Ranchers. You can win over $2,000 in free meat. Fill out your merch, your March Meatness <laughs> uh, bracket at GoodRanchers.com slash March to possibly win free meat for a year. Not only that, you can subscribe and get free bacon. I'm excited about that. I hope I win. I want free bacon. Free bacon for a year this month, too. Over $100 of free Applewood smoked bacon. Plus, you can use my code Allie, and you'll get $20 off your first order as well. So, free bacon for a year. You can win that, plus $2,000 in free meat. You just subscribe, and or you go to goodranchers.com slash march. Fill out your March meatness bracket. You know, you guys know I love Good Ranchers. I'm making Good Ranchers almost every night. Last night we had spaghetti. I made my own sauce and I used Good Ranchers ground beef. Tonight I think I'm making tacos, healthy tacos, and I'm going to use their fajita chicken tonight. Absolutely love it. It makes our life so much easier and healthier. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout for $20 off your order. It's American meat delivered right to your front door. GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Okay, so Woody Harrelson hosted SNL. Yes, SNL is still in business. It's still running a show, apparently. And on Saturday night, he hosted it. And, you know, the hosts, they give a little monologue, a little funny monologue. And there has been some truth that's been shared in that monologue a few times that I do wonder, because I'm sure that people who work at Saturday Night Live have to approve this monologue, I'm guessing, before it's actually performed on television. So I do wonder how what he says here past the uh, the producers and the directors and the writers and all that. Here he is. So the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartels drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? Okay. So there you go. And uh, not that many people were laughing, if you noticed. But I mean, he's absolutely right. And by the way, I've seen other people say this. I think it was Bridget Fetissey that I first saw say this on Twitter, that you guys don't get it. He is just a typical liberal. Like he is what the hippie liberals used to be, questioning the institutions. The fact that we have so-called liberals today that are just so gung-ho for big pharma like you can be very pro-vaccine. Maybe you're even pro-COVID-19 vaccine. And still look at just how the pharmaceutical companies are set up, how much power they hold, how much sway they have over our media networks, over our major corporations, over our government, and think, huh, this probably isn't good that they are making money as they are enforcing policy that restricts our freedoms. Maybe that's not a great thing. And I understand a lot of people still somehow to this day, three years, we're about to mark three years of COVID. You still don't see it. You still don't see it. Like you still think all is well and good. There's there's nothing conspiratorial going on there. And I mean conspiratorial like in the real 
sense, not a conspiracy theory, like a conspiracy between big government and big pharma, you still just don't see the connection there. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. Honestly, that's impressive. That's impressive. You have a lot of faith. Now, uh, Woody Harrelson, is, this is not the first time that he's talked about uh, talked about all of this. He was actually on a Bill Maher's podcast, on the Club Random podcast, and here's what he had to say. The last people I would trust with my health is big pharma and big government, because neither one of those strike me as caring entities. Ivermectin got made into a you know horse tranquilizer, uh, a horse, whatever it is. Which it is, but also used by humans. Uh, It's used by millions and millions millions of humans. Hydroxychloroquine got uh, made ridiculous. Um, And there was only one thing that could work, and that's the vaccine, right? And so ultimately, because of that, billions of dollars was made. I mean... That's irrefutable. That's just true. I mean, I guess you don't have to agree with him that he doesn't, you know, we shouldn't trust our health to big pharma and big government, although I think that's very silly and naive of you. But it's just true that these policies were pushed, that the vaccine exclusive approach was pushed and policies followed that that actually restricted your freedoms and took away people's livelihoods. And just admit that the only reason that you refuse to see that is because of politics, because you don't like Trump, because you don't like the right. Like some people still just refuse to see the truth that actually had a huge detrimental effect on people's lives, not just here, but around the world because of this myopic view of left, right and blue, red. I mean, I appreciate someone like Woody Harrelson, who I'm sure is pro-choice and disagrees with me on most things. Like, I appreciate him kind of going out of that political binary and saying, "Okay, but this is actually true. I mean, he probably votes Democrat or maybe I could see him not voting at all. But the media bought and paid for in large part by organizations like uh, Pfizer. They had a they had an interesting reaction to this. So, so unsurprising, so stunning that they had a negative reaction. So this is according to Rolling Stone. Woody Harrelson spreads anti-vax conspiracies during SNL monologue. Did he say he was anti-vaccine? Everything is anti-vax. Questioning the integrity of billion dollar corporations that are making billions and billions of dollars off of a vaccine that sometimes has negative effects on people's health. That's an anti-vax conspiracy theory. Daily Beast, Woody Harrelson spews anti-vax conspiracies in rambling SNL monologue. Huff Post, Woody Harrelson rambles about weed anti-vax conspiracy in SNL monologue. Variety. Woody Harrelson's Saturday Night Live monologue makes COVID conspiracy jokes. Wah. <laughs> on the Washington Post. On SNL, Woody Harrelson pushes popular COVID-19 conspiracy theory. And then on Twitter, we had a lot of blue check journalists saying the same thing. How on earth did this get to air, said Matt Baven. So there were many journalists and many online influencers Saying the same thing, that he's an anti-vax conspiracy theorist. So let's look at some of the conspiracy theories. Let's look at some of the conspiracy theories that the media has told us that we should not believe in the past few years and what's actually come of them, just real quickly. But let me go ahead, before we get into that, let me just tell you about our last sponsor for the day before we close out. That is Patriot Mobile. All right, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. If you're tired of giving your money to a wireless provider that hates you, hates your values, sending your money to organizations and politicians that are working against your rights and freedoms, then you should switch to Patriot Mobile. They now offer service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and you like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also uh, guarantee or they offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team. They are awesome. They make switching really, really easy. Go to patreonmobile.com slash Allie. Call them at 878-PATRIOT. patreonmobile.com slash Allie or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with offer code Allie, patreonmobile.com slash Allie or call 878-PATRIOT. 
right, so the FDA said about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine a couple years ago, a drug meant uh, for use as an animal dormer is being used by some people to treat COVID-19 from The Guardian. Um, no, you should not take ivermectin to treat COVID-19. While there are approved uses for ivermectin in people and animals, it is not approved for the prevention or treatment of COVID-19. Uh, from um, The Guardian also, they said that there are big side effects to ivermectin that um, could require hospitalization, and that's why you should not take it. Um, CNN called it a horse dewormer said that it was a tranquilizer. The Washington Post called it a horse dewormer. CNBC uh, demonized hydroxychloroquine, which, by the way, doctors still in some cases are using effectively to treat COVID-19. And uh, CNBC said that this is an unproven treatment. And so over and over again, I wish that we had a montage for you. There's probably one out there. Uh, News outlets saying, this is horse dewormer. This is horse tranquilizer. You should never use COVID-19. Now, according to the American Journal of Therapeutics, moderate certainty evidence finds that large reductions in COVID-19 deaths are possible using ivermectin. Using ivermectin early in the cl- clinical course may reduce numbers progressing to severe disease. The apparent safety and low cost suggests that ivermectin is likely to have a significant impact on the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic globally. Now, this has been said like by Dr. Pierre Corey for a very long time. He came on my show, one of my most popular episodes ever, and talked about this. Ivermectin is used by humans throughout the world, has been used by billions of humans throughout the world, especially those that live in developing countries like Africa that suffer from river blindness and things like that. But that wasn't even acknowledged by the media. We just heard that it was horse to wormer. No, it's been used safely by Americans for a very long time. So even if, because there still is debate about how effective it actually is, same thing with hydroxychloroquine, there are very few downsides to these drugs for it to have been demonized the way that it is. And it was all in service of this narrative that the only thing that can help you is the vaccine. And isn't it interesting that a lot of these networks like CNN are regularly sponsored by Pfizer? Uh, Then we heard that school shutdowns, that shutting down schools is going to be very helpful, that we need to do it for compassion to save grandma. USA Today, the best strategy is to put time and money in developing a robust and equitable remote learning plan. USA Today, those arguing that children must return to buildings for a quality education need to know this is impossible. The author of the USA Today article uh, argues that the horrendous but temporary educational and psychological crisis of remote learning isn't as bad as the COVID crisis. On Neil Cavuto's show in August uh, 2022, Fauci said in response to the question of if lockdowns have hurt children, well, I don't think it's irreparable damage to anyone. USA Today, teachers like me don't feel safe enough to return to the classroom yet. Um, and then you'll remember all of those protests by the teachers and the teachers unions, the die-ins pretending that they're going to die if you open up schools again, remember that in Arizona and places like Chicago throughout the country sponsored by the teachers unions pushing this propaganda that these teachers are actually going to die if they open up the schools. And of course, kids were kids and their well-being and their normal maturation and their education were a sacrifice of the paranoia of anti-science adults. It's really sad. Now. We know the truth. The national report card released in October 22 by the National Center for Education Statistics found that um, the average math score for fourth graders fell five points since 2019 and reading average scores for both grades fell, fell three points. In addition, the percentage of students below the basic level, the lowest level of academic achievement grew. 25% of fourth graders were below the basic level in 2022 and 38% of eighth graders were below the National Assessment of Educational Progress basic level in reading the percentage of students below the NAEP basic increase by three percentage points in both fourth and eighth grade. According to Pew Research in November of 2021, emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts in kids jumped 31% in 2020 compared to 2019. In February and March of 2021, emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts were 51% higher. This is all for a virus, by the way, in which kids had, for which kids had a 99.99%, almost a hot, that's basically 100% survival rate. Instead, we said, no, it's better for you to be more likely to commit suicide. Suicide and for you to not be able to read. 
nearly every child in the country is suffering to some degree from the psychological effects of uh, the pandemic. This is co-director of the University of Maryland-based National Center for School of Mental Health. Vaccines, what they said, CDC said that there are benefits of getting vaccinated against COVID. They said um, you are... Uh, you're not going you're not going to get COVID. That's what Rochelle Walensky said. That's what we heard on MSNBC. It's going to stop if you get infected with COVID. You won't get any symptoms from COVID. It's going to stop with you. You won't be able uh, to spread COVID. CDC said COVID-19 vaccines offer added protection to people who had COVID-19, including protection against being hospitalized uh, from a new um, from a new infection. We were told that natural immunity The natural immunity was a dangerous conspiracy theory and that natural immunity for some reason, unlike any other disease, any other illness, had no effect on your ability to get COVID again. And now we know that that is not true. CNN said vaccination protects against COVID-19 more strongly than previous infection does. Um, A study analysis, this is now later, a study analysis from The Lancet, though, in February 2023, showed that natural immunity protection from the past infection and any symptomatic disease was high actually, for forms of the coronavirus. Protection from past infection against reinfection for, from pre-Omicron variants was very high and remained high even after 40 weeks, just as strong, if not stronger, than immunity that is apparently given to you by the vaccine. Masks, we were first told don't work by Fauci in March of 2020. Then we were told that they absolutely worked. If you're an anti-masker, this started in June of 2020. If you're anti-masker, you're anti-grandma, you're anti-science, this is absolutely helping. This is keeping people from getting sick. And yet we saw study after study proving that that's not true. CDC said consistently wearing a comfortable mask in indoor settings protects against acquisition of COVID. Consistent use of a mask or respirator in indoor settings was associated with lower odds of a positive test result, says the CDC. Uh, The University of San Francisco said the same thing. The New York Times said we did the research and masks work. The science survey in 2021 said unmasking the mask conspiracy theories. Now there is a study that was published in Cochrane Library, which is the premier collection of medical literature in the world, a study titled Physical Interventions to Interrupt or Reduce the Spread of Respiratory Viruses. This came out January 30th of 2023. Wearing masks in the community makes little to or no difference to the outcome of laboratory confirmed influenza compared to not wearing masks. So this was a meta-analysis of all of the studies that have been done around masks. And by the way, this evidence has been around for a very long time. We have known since 2020 that community mask wearing wasn't working, thanks to the journalism of people like uh, David Zwig, who was writing for liberal magazines at the time, like The New Yorker, yet was going through the CDC studies that the CDC said was proving that masks work. And he was showing that actually the data that they're saying proves their conclusion does not prove their conclusion. And all of these studies are faulty. Ian Miller, we had him on the show. He has a Twitter account that is literally almost exclusively dedicated to showing graphs that prove that there is zero correlation in a state or in a country between high mask wearing and an increase or a, a decrease of COVID cases or COVID fatalities. I mean, he has been showing that literally for years at this point. And every time he sees, you know, more data come out or every time he sees a headline saying, why don't masks work? He's like, I've literally been talking about this and proving this with numbers for years and still I'll get messages of people angry that I ever questioned this. It's like a religion to people. They just can't let go of it because it's the only proof of virtue that they have really been able to uphold for so long. Same thing with the lab leak theory. We were told that's a conspiracy theory. Like, do you remember in the Washington Post when Senator Tom Cotton, he published an article saying, you know what, this is there's a high probability that this is not from some bat in a wet market in Wu in, in Wuhan in somewhere in China, that this actually probably was an experiment gone wrong. It probably actually leaked from the lab. And then there were some people who were wondering, well, is it purposeful? Like, does it help China in some way? And so we were told that that was a conspiracy theory. 
This is a headline from NPR. Scientists debunk lab accident theory of pandemic emergence. That's April 20th, 2020. CNN, lab leak COVID-19 theory is like something out of a comic book, virologist says. That's March 31st, 2021. CNN, nearly 30% in the U.S. believe a coronavirus theory that's almost certainly not true. That was 2020. CNN, coronavirus almost certainly came from an animal, not a lab leak, top, top scientists argue. That was in 2021. CNBC, Trump suspects coronavirus virus outbreak came from China lab. Doesn't cite evidence. That was 2020. CNN. Trump contradicts U.S. intel community by claiming he's seen evidence coronavirus originated in Chinese lab. Insider. Theory that coronavirus accidentally leaked from Chinese lab. Unlikely. That was April 15th, 2020. So I just wonder, like, how much money are these people getting from China? Or was it just an anti-Trump thing? It's so weird how these people who felt like apparently COVID was the biggest threat to humanity that has ever existed like had no interest whatsoever in finding out where it came from and then how we can prevent it from happening again and now the u.s energy department has concluded that the covid19 pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak according to a classified intelligence report recently provided to the white house and key members of congress the energy department now joins the federal bureau of investigation by saying the virus likely spread via a mishap at a chinese library i don't or a laboratory um library that'd be interesting uh, u.s officials declined to give details on the fresh intelligence and analysis that led the energy department to change its position wall street journal lab leak most likely origin of covid19 pandemic energy department now says cnn uh u.s energy department assesses covid19 likely resulted from lab leak furthering u.s intel divide over virus origin so i don't know maybe uh woody harrelson is on to something maybe we shouldn't listen to people who says things are who say things are uh, conspiracy theories when they have been proven wrong so many times. They said the same thing about menstrual cycles. No, there's no way that it can affect a woman's menstrual cycle. And then a study published in the Journal of Science Advances found that 42% of women with regular menstrual cycles said they bled more heavily than usual after vaccination. So I also don't think it's crazy for someone to say, hmm, something that messes with my reproduction i'm just not sure if i want to put it in my body and of course you were told that you were some paranoid crazy freak who doesn't love your neighbor i think that woody harrelson probably has more common sense and more wisdom than most of the people in the media who claim to be our moral and intellectual betters it's just what i'm thinking um all right that's all we got time for today guys all we got time for today god is sovereign not big pharma not big government not the trolls on the internet but the good and loving and all-powerful God who will win in the end. Just a reminder on this crazy day. All right. Tomorrow, we have a fun interview for you. Amazing interview. I'm so excited. And Thursday, we've got a director of a pregnancy center. Gosh, she is incredible. I cried. Tears of joy. Tears of joy and gratitude. But um, throughout our conversation, you're going to be so encouraged by it. All right. I will see you guys back here tomorrow. 